If you only have a 401k, you're not getting the most for retirement. Wait, what? Add a Robinhood IRA on top, then they'll boost it by 3%. You can do that? And if you transfer in any retirement account, you get 3% on top of that. Is there a limit to the match? No limit. Robinhood Gold gets you the biggest contribution match of any IRA on the market. Sign up for Robinhood Gold at Robinhood.com slash boost by April 30th. Subscription fees apply. Investing involves risk. 3% match requires gold for one year from first match. Must keep IRA for five years. Match on transfers subject to additional terms and conditions. Robinhood Financial LLC, member SIPC. The Other Side of Midnight presents The Midnight Files. Midnight in the desert Shooting stars across the sky This magical journey will take us on a ride Filled with the longing, searching for the truth Will we make it till tomorrow? Will the sun shine on you? Midnight in the desert And we're listening This is The Other Side of Midnight. I'm Frank Moreno. Uh, Love, love, love exploring the world of extraterrestrials, the world of space and the like. And I was very interested in this article in Politico that came out a day and a half ago. Headline, the UFO briefings on Capitol Hill have begun. Lawmakers aren't impressed. And in spite of the fact that this is a pretty big story, at least I think it is, and what's contained in it is pretty interesting. And in spite of the fact that even a website like the Drudge Report, which very often sets the tone for the rest of the media, the, the rest of the news media's coverage of this stuff, even though that's the case... We saw very little coverage of this anywhere else because everyone seems to be focused on the primaries, on this leak coming out of the Supreme Court, and uh, what's happening with uh, the um, you know with the Ukraine Russia war. I get all that, but this is an important story, and I can't think of a better person to turn to on this than Stephen Bassett. Stephen Bassett is the executive director of the Paradigm Research Group and a leading advocate for ending the 65-year government-imposed truth embargo regarding extraterrestrials. Uh, Stephen, thanks so much for joining us again on the radio. Yes, Frank. Good to be with you. Stephen, uh, in a nutshell, for people that haven't heard our prior conversations, what exactly is the Paradigm Research Group? What do you guys do? I set it up in 96 to uh, work to resolve the UAP issue by political means. Uh, In other words, it was a political problem, not a science problem. The ET presence had been proven scientifically or intellectually way before 1996. The problem was the government politically made a decision to embargo this confirmation, this truth from the American people for national security reasons. And unless we solved the political problem, uh, we were just going to go round and round and round indefinitely. And I had no desire to do that. What is the new um, UAP protocol that the that Congress and uh, passed and the president signed as part of the National Defense Authorization Act? By the way, for people oh. that don't know, UAPs is uh, the, what we now use to refer to what we used to call UFOs. But go ahead. 
And more and more people are using UAP. And the mm-hmm. reason is that for journalists and politicians and national, former national security people like former CIA directors to talk publicly about this issue, UAP it means exactly the same thing, but it doesn't carry the 70 years of baggage that is accumulated around the term UFO due to the truth embargo the government's imposed. So it's, it's a language issue, and it's also a credibility issue. It's just more comfortable to say UAP, and that's, and that's why we're, we're doing that, and, and, and they are using that, and you're seeing it turn up in articles. Look, a lot has happened since 2017. Extraordinary things have taken place, unprecedented, regarding the UAP issue. For those that started just paying attention in 2017 because they saw the New York Times articles, might think that, well, the last four five years is pretty much the way it's been. It's normal. It's not. To those of us that have followed the issue for a very long time and know the history going back even before we got involved, uh, what's happening is anything but normal. We're in a whole different place. I like to say we crossed the Rubicon on the issue. So in 2017, when the articles came out of the New York Times, uh, the To the Stars Academy was launched, and ultimately two key people, Louis Elizondo and Christopher Mellon, began working not only the Congress but also vetting witnesses. This issue started moving forward at a very rapid pace with the potential to resolve itself pretty quickly. Um, and that's good. Uh, but uh, unfortunately, history doesn't care. <laughs> history is many things happening all the time, and things can get very interesting, as the Chinese curse has, has often ref- been referred to. So in those five years, we've had political chaos. Uh, we've had hyperpartisanship. We've had the worst pandemic in human history. Um, we've had uh, the, the most dangerous war in Europe since 1945 with a clear possibility of uh, launching a nuclear war. And now we have a, a, a massive uh, uh, social issue that just instantly emerged, uh, emerged today regarding Roe v. Wade. So the UAP issue has lost most of its coverage, it, and I follow it constantly. It's, it's way back down, but it hasn't, hasn't gone away. It's well, alive and well on the Internet, social media, Facebook, Twitter. It's everywhere. Radio Podcast, shows like this one, and too. And radio shows like this. So it's a lot. But in terms of being a heavy focus in the media, no, they're, having, they're dealing with these other things. I don't blame them. And so the Congress, by and large, they've had to step back. All right. Members of Congress, because when you've got a war in Ukraine, when you've got people still dying from covid, you can't you've got to be careful how much you want to invest in an issue as controversial as UAP. All right. But nevertheless, there's been things going on. And one of the things that has ensured this is never going to return to where it was, is that it got into law. In other words, Chris Mellon uh, and others were successful in convincing uh, by briefing them. I mean, many, many people were briefed on the Hill by Chris Mellon and witnesses came up and spoke to them. So ultimately, uh, Rubio made a move and put language into a Defense Authorization Act. The next year, Gillibrand, these are senators, put uh, language in a Defense Authorization Act, setting up these these entities at the, uh, the DOD and what have you, which were given tasks to report and do this and what have you. There's a, there's a lot there. There's far more than we can discuss. But what I'm trying to say is, is that finally, in all, after all these years since Roswell, starting in 2020, this issue went uh, front, front and political. 
with high-level political people involved, making statements to the public, with the DOD having to interact, engagements, all kinds of things were happening, which is what we should have had happen in the 50s, the 60s, the 70s, or the 80s. But the truth embargo said, no, you can't do that. And so this is an extraordinary time. And the occasional articles that turn up are about how things are going with respect to this process. Now, in terms of the Congress and the Department of Defense working out how they go forward, it's really complicated. All right. There's now you're talking about the fate of politicians, uh, the fate of political parties, also the careers of high level people in the Department of Defense. There is a huge amount of baggage attached to this that has to be dealt with. So this is not simple, but yet it is moving forward. All right. Now, what's happened just in the last uh, couple of days? And, and again, this is there's been so many days like this is one. Some interviews uh, Politico interviewed some politicians to get their impressions of the recent report, because part of the uh, uh, the, the legislation that was passed required the uh, entity that was set up within the DOD to uh, give some briefings on a periodic basis to the, to the members of Congress, key members of Congress and on, on certain right, committees. Right, me- like members of the Senate Intelligence, Intelligence Committee and members of the Senate Armed Services Committee. And I believe also House Senate, House okay. uh, Intel and Armed Services. And so they did. Well, some of the members thought it was a little lukewarm, okay? Now, let's examine that for a second. This issue is incredibly complicated and controversial. It's been shunned and embargoed for years. And so in, in another time, any member of Congress, their attitude would be, yeah, fine, drag your feet all you want, no big deal. Yeah, you're doing your thing. I don't get out ahead of this. But that, that isn't where we are now. So what's important here is not what the DOD is not doing that they think they should be doing. What is important is they actually publicly stated that they're not doing enough. And so literally, I mean, if, if you know... The when you say they the publicly people, stated, are you talking about the senators or the Pentagon? The members of Congress, right. yes. Okay. The members of Congress, the senators, and also I think uh, some of the uh, House people basically said they're not doing enough. I mean, again, this this is extraordinary. Uh, and it shows where we are now. And so that's what's important. They're literally saying uh, that, look, this issue is not only important, but I'm investing some political capital in it. Uh, I'm bank, ba- banking that this is actually going to help me in terms of future elections in my position here. And when you get politicians in a position where they think that pressing an issue is going to help get them elected, Mike, you're going to see some serious progress. So that that has taken place, and it was reflected in that political article. Uh, we've heard some similar things. Uh, Politico, by the way, has a record of being uh, ahead on this issue. They've done a lot of stuff on it. Hell, they've interviewed me several times. I've been in a number of political articles. They, they really have. They have nothing to be uh, anything but be proud of, of how they've covered this issue. So this is important. But let me tell you about something that happened yesterday. That's even more important. Mm. All right. Uh, there is a, uh, a news website uh, called uh, News Nation. It is uh, it's relatively new, but it seems to be substantially funded. Right, and we've had that we've had there a network too, and we've had uh, one of their anchors, Ashley Banfield, on this program as well. Okay, yes. So this is this is a substantial entity. It's very much right of center. All right, and interesting enough, the right of center or well right of center news outlets by and large have been more aggressive and out in front on this issue than the left of center. 
other words, CNN and MSNBC are really dragging behind Fox and News Nation, even the Daily Caller. It, it's, it's, it's interesting. Why the left is slow on this issue is not clear to me, uh, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm thinking and watching, and may I, may I come up with some thoughts on that. So anyway, what happened is, is that on the show, uh, uh, this is, uh, let me see which one. It's on, it's called, the show is called Unbalance, and it's with uh, uh, Leland Villard. All right. And so he interviewed yesterday one of the members of Congress that has spoken to this issue, and I'm referring to Tim Burchette. Now, Tim Burchette is a Republican congressman from Tennessee. He's conservative, down-home kind of guy, just like you'd expect from Tennessee. Got a classic Tennessee drawl. But he has been in, in this issue early. Uh, and, and remember, things started out in the Senate. It was like, it was like the big shots. Rubio and Gillibrand were getting a lot of heavy action, and he's down there in the House, along with Gallego, by the way, uh, and they're thinking, gee, you know, why, why are you guys getting all the action here? Why are you getting all the attention? I mean, we're going to speak up, too. And so Ruben Gallego spoke up, and so did Tim Burchett. Now, he's interviewed yesterday, and I can't – I wish I had the means to just play it so you could listen to it, but if you go to newsnationnow.com, and you go to the shows, and you can then check out uh, On Balance, and it's like four back, and you can go see it. It's from yesterday, and you can watch the interview. There's this key – it starts at 158, and what happens is that, is that Villard says to him he, – he asked the question that, hell, I was asking people 25 years ago. It's a, it, it, but here it is on a major show, and, and, and he's asking this question. He says, look, he says, it seems to me there's only one of three possibilities. Either this technology is ours, right, advanced technology that has not been divulged to public and they're testing it and it's being seen, or it belongs to a foreign nation and they're out there testing it or using it and we're picking it up, or it is from a, 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 a intelligence or uh, entities outside of the United States. It, it needs to be one of those three. And Burchette responds it, and he says, what do you think? And Burchette says, number three. So now, let me be clear. At that moment, Tim Burchette went right to the point. I say point to the front, up front, right? He got out in front of this issue uh, ahead of Gallego, ahead of uh, Gillibrand, and ahead of uh, Rubio. Uh, to my knowledge, he is the only sitting member of Congress going as back as far as you want to go that has gone that far. Not Stephen Schiff. Not Hillary Clinton, uh, not Gallego or Rubin or Gillibrand, uh, Reagan, Obama. Nope, none have gone that far. He said matter-of-factly, I believe it is extraterrestrial. So I invite people to watch that interview. Then he goes on and he gets asked some other questions, and he starts talking about how the government has been running a cover-up. He uses the term cover-up. Now, as, as you may know, I don't like the term cover-up. I came up with a term called truth embargo back about 2001, which I think is more appropriate and it's more accurate than cover-up. But in any event, he's referring to that. He says, he says the government is part of the cover-up, and they're not do, going to disclose it to us because they don't trust us with uh, having enough sense to diagnose. It's very frustrating. This all comes out of the heading of, you don't have a right to know, you don't have a need to know, and you can't handle the truth. But what's frightening about this, Stephen, is that, yeah. you know, essentially, 
if what uh, the congressman is saying there, along with the staffers of people like Senator Rubio and Senator Gillibrand in this Politico article, the Pentagon is essentially taking it uh, upon themselves to ignore the will of Congress, you know, which by extension is the will of the American voters, and ignore a law that was signed by the president by not revealing the information that they're required to reveal under the law to Congress. No, no, that, that's not what's happening. I mean, I, I understand people are jumping to that conclusion. That's not what's happening. What's happening is, is the, the Pentagon was tasked to do certain things. And they had been working on it. They were given until June, I think, to formally complete the office. It's not June yet. And to report back. All right. And so what they're basically saying is they're they're not they're not maybe moving as fast as they would like, and they're maybe not, not being as comprehensive as they would like. But it's not like they're ignoring that law or taking matters in their own hands. No, there is a a, a, a tug of war going on here, a little tug of war. There's nothing unusual about that. I mean, Congress has these kinds of tug of wars with the Pentagon uh, and, and some of the intelligence agencies all the time. Uh, but so it, I wouldn't get upset about it or worry. But the point that I, I, I must get across, and I never fail to <laughs> whenever I'm doing an interview, is that if you, in order to properly assess this, this dynamic, this, okay, this is what we want, okay, we're doing this and whatever, and maybe going a little slow, in order to properly understand that, there's something you have to get, rock, as they used to say back in the 60s. The Pentagon, meaning there are many people in the Pentagon that know exactly what this phenomenon is and have known what this phenomenon is for 75 years. The national security structure knew about an extraterrestrial presence without any reasonable doubt at all at Roswell. They had a crashed vehicle, non-humans in it, non-human technology, and they then took that away and began the process of deeply classifying and bargaining this issue. So the Pentagon, the national, and that doesn't mean every single person working at the Pentagon or throughout the national security state knows this, but believe me, enough know. So they already know it's real. The problem they face is not, oh, wow, we've got to get stuff together and start doing some research and find out what this is. No, that is not their problem at all. Their problem is, okay, the embargo that has been imposed is, is ending. Uh, it's going to be tricky. It's going to be complicated. Uh, it's not going to be easy. There are all kinds of political considerations here. There's other things going on in the world as well, which makes it a little more difficult to move, uh, how would you say, aggressively on this. And I get that. I mean, it's hard to blame them. Uh, it's not their fault that the political chaos, the pandemic and everything else has happened since things started getting underway in 1718 that, uh, that gee, we can't move fast. This, that it would be difficult to do this issue if we had optimal conditions, but we don't. And so they're, they're kind of pacing it. You know, they, they're not – they can't simply – it, it, they can't simply go to the Congress and suddenly say, uh, yeah, yeah, here's all the classified programs. Here's where the bodies are. Here's where crash vehicles are, because that stuff is massively classified. And unless it's declassified, uh, they can't do that. Now, the president can declassify it. And the intelligence committees have some declassification capability. 
but the Intelligence Committee has not declassified. If, 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 what, what would really shake things up? If the Intelligence Committee were to pass a resolution and or a directive uh, to the DOD demanding that uh, several dozen USAP programs, un, uh, unacknowledged special access programs, be declassified and presented to them or be presented to them under classification, that would – all hell would break loose. But I haven't done that because, you see, there are people in Congress that know there's an ET presence. Right? They've known it probably since the day they ran for office. This is an embargo issue, and everything that happens has to operate within that embargo. In other words, everybody has to play a certain game, put on a certain face, say, say or not say certain things. This has been going on for decades, and it's, and it's poison, and it's toxic, and it needs to win. That's why I do what I do, and others of my colleagues do the same. So that's how you have to look at this. You can't just take it matter of fact. In other words, it's a classic case of – we know that they know the ET, and they know that we know that they know, and we know that they know that we know that they know. I mean, it's nuts, but that's the way it is. And so where we're headed for is enough develops where it will be comfortable for not simply passing uh, some, some legislation, but in fact what the ultimate goal is, is that Gillibrand, Rubio, some of the committee and the, the Armed Services Committee in the House – Simply call hearings. They said, we're going to hold hearings. We're bringing witnesses in. There's plenty of witnesses ready to testify. Almost all of them, if not all of them, will be military. That's the next step. That is the next logical step. Uh, there's no way that the public, and I'm certainly not going to put up playing footsie back and forth between the Intel Committee and the, and the DOD as they sort of move here and move there and whatever. That's all show. What we have to have is the witnesses, particularly the nuclear witnesses, testifying in front of the Senate Intel Committee, Senate Armed Services Committee. Once that gets underway, then all bets are off. Then you're going to see politicians saying things like what Burchette said yesterday on uh, on uh, News oh, Nation. With, uh, yeah. yeah, News Nation. So, I mean, so if it wasn't for the extraordinary things happening in the world, and I tell you, I'm impressed. I mean, I, I, I sat and watched. To the Cuban Missile Crisis on the TV every day after school for 13 days. I I was a college student during the Vietnam War, which followed me for the next 10 years. Uh, obviously, I I was in Washington D.C. when the 911 attacks. I mean, I've I've been through all this shit. This yeah, is, be careful on the radio. That. I mean, yeah. it, it, I'm sorry, it, it's beyond that. Um, and I get the problems that they're facing. Uh. How do we pursue an issue like this when these other profound things are happening? And the only answer is you just hang in there, you keep the issue alive, and the Internet will certainly help with that, and you wait for calmer waters. So I'm still quite impressed with what's happening. Uh, I'm, I'm thrilled when I see something like Bershaw's interview. There's going to be more things like that. But I recognize that uh, I need to kind of do my work in the background and try to make some progress. But uh, until some extraordinary things get resolved here, one way or the other, um, the real action is not going to begin. Uh, we're talking with Stephen Bassett. Bass, Bass, uh, Stephen Bassett. Do you say Bassett or Bassett? It's like the dog, Bassett. Bassett, okay, like the hound. Uh, he's with the Paradigm Research Group. You can check out their website, paradigmresearchgroup.com. Stephen, we do have some... Um, skeptics in our audience listening 
And they may not so accept which you take as a given, which is that there's people in the Pentagon, more than just one or two, but people, uh, numerous people at the Pentagon that are aware that there have been interactions with extraterrestrials going back to Roswell. What evidence mm-hmm. would you point to, to the skeptics in our audience, that that is indeed the case, that the Pentagon is aware of the fact that we have had interactions with extraterrestrials? Well, without going through all of the kind of evidence that, that, that addresses that, which is substantial, uh, there have been hundreds of books written about uh, this issue and its connection to uh, our national security structures. But to be honest with you, if you want to make it simple, and if somebody says, look, how can I get from A to B as quickly as possible? Look, you, you, there's, there's one book I recommend the most, and that is Witness to Roswell, which was the penultimate work of Don Schmidt and Thomas Carey. They had done other work, there have been other books, and, and then they finally put this one together, The Witness to Roswell. And they've got two out, the, the original one, and then there's an expanded version. They added some stuff. And what is in this book is they interviewed, ultimately, over the years, they ended up interviewing hundreds of people related to the Roswell event. Many of them that were there, firsthand witnesses, and then over the years, as they died off, they interviewed their family. Oh, civilian and military people, hundreds of witnesses carefully putting all of that together to show what happened back then. And it is, as far as I'm concerned, a lock-solid confirmation of exactly what it was. Now, there's plenty of other things that uh, that have been uh, come out and other evidence in docs which point to the fact that Roswell was, in fact, what it is. But witness to Roswell, to me, is case closed. So if someone were to read that book, as I have, and if they want to read a few more, they might, just for the hell of it, just to flesh things up. And they came to the conclusion that I came to long ago, that Roswell was exactly what Jesse Marcel said it was. Mm. Uh, it was a crash vehicle, not of human origin, with, with non-human bodies in it. That's all you need. If the government had that in 1947, and quite a few Air Force people were, saw it, were aware of it, then you had people at the Pentagon that were of it. You had, you had a panel set up by, by Truman that was dealing with it. The idea that, that that fundamental knowledge did not transfer forward in time so that officials within various agencies and so forth were aware of this and informed of this as programs were being developed is, of course, absurd. I mean, do people think they buried the craft, buried the bodies, and said, let's never speak of this again? Of course not. So that alone guarantees that, that there has been an awareness within our government for the last 75 years. And but there's plenty of other evidence that points to points to that awareness, not to mention the fact that some people within the government have flat out told some of my colleagues, including including me. That, yeah, there's an extraterrestrial president. Stephen, there, we seem to be in an era in American politics these days where Democrats and Republicans can't even seem to agree on what day of the week it is. And what's so striking to me about the Politico article and other things that we've seen from 
current, like, uh, you know, current members yeah. of Congress like Burkett and previous members of Congress like uh, former Senate Majority Leader Harry Reid is that the movement towards greater disclosure or at least greater exploration of what the Pentagon knows seems to be bipartisan. You see prominent Republican senators like uh, Rubio and prominent Democratic senators like Gillibrand all essentially, at least on this issue, saying the same thing. Why do you think when at a time when we're in such a polarized political environment, this issue of UAP disclosure seems to be bringing prominent politicians of both parties together? It's it's actually a simple as the, the the fundamental nature of the subject, it's like say talking about relativistic physics. Relativistic physics has enormous implications for our world. So does quantum mechanics, by that way. And and uh, learning how to get around relativistic uh, physics in order to be able to travel from star to star is also very profound. But does anybody think that's partisan? I mean, where's the where's the Republican Democratic uh, right. take on that? Physics is physics. This is basically transcends politics. They're, they're either here or they're not here. Right? And if they are, we have to deal with it. And if there's been an embargo, that embargo has been carried forward over many administrations, Democrat and Republican. So it is essentially a nonpartisan issue. Uh, and, uh, and there are plenty of those kinds of issues that our government deals with that most people would point to and say that that's nonpartisan. We don't fight over that. And they turn up from time to time for votes in the Congress and they get very nice, uh, you know, nice, nice uh, uh, bipartisan outcomes. And this brings – but what's different about this issue is how important it is. It's massively important. Okay, so one of the one of I think the the reasons why the disclosure process is is, is got to succeed and got to get more prominent and move forward and, and, and get resolution, meaning disclosure itself, capital P confirmation for the president, is that it, it could be one way that we could hmm. move out of this hyper partisan absolutely. That's my hope. Situation, which has brought the country to a standstill. That's exactly my hope uh, on this issue. Stephen, we're going to have to leave it there. As always, a fascinating conversation. want to encourage everybody to uh, check out the work you're doing. Uh, they can go to ParadigmResearchGroup.org. Uh, ParadigmResearchGroup.org. Stephen Bassett, yes. thanks so much for the time this morning. Always a pleasure. Friend. Thank you.